Fantasy Focus Baseball Podcast. Here are your hosts, Tristan Cockroft and Eric Carabell. It is said podcast. It is Monday, June 24th of 2019. It is almost the near mathematical midpoint of the 2019 Major League Baseball season. Incredible, right? We're already almost halfway there. Unbelievable. Uh, it is not Eric Carabell today. He is off uh, for today's show, so I'm very excited to announce that uh, we do have my good friend, my colleague, and my uh, my most regarded points league guru, AJ Mass, is joining me on the podcast today, and we have plenty of baseball to talk about. Lots of news going on. Oh, AJ, the decisions we have to make in order to uh, to set up what the big news is, huh? I'm telling you. I mean, at least I don't have to break up any kerfuffles between you and uh, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't want to have to issue any immediate statements after the show. You know, it's all good. Yeah, we we were looking into that and everything. We'll introduce Kyle Sapi. He presses all the buttons and everything, makes all the drops work. He does just about everything here, Kyle, don't you? I mean, sure. yeah, we're going to keep you busy. Yeah, you know, we're not no kerfuffles to worry about. But yeah, we're uh, we're button pushing to the fullest extent today. And someone, of course, yeah, hiding back there. I, I at one point, there. Uh, Charlie Kerfuffle. <laughs> <laughs> the, the former Astros reliever, of course. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Uh, of course, Tom Carpenter is hiding out back there somewhere. I, I think he is. Let's look. Hold on. Where What's up? What's up? What's up? We have taken the show right. Uh, yeah, we've jumped the shark. We're right off the rails already. Great, 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 great. All right. Well, you know, let's get ourselves back on track. Let's uh, dive into the bus. <laughs> AJ, they, like I said, there's so many directions we could go with this. I, I really hate starting with, I guess, a bad news note, but I feel like there are some silver linings in the Frankie Montas news. So Montas uh, got an 80-game suspension for testing positive for Osterine. I hope I pronounced that correctly, but it's a performance-enhancing substance, of course. So the 80-game suspension comes out of nowhere. He was going to pitch Wednesday's game. Not going to happen at this point. So couple of things here. AJ, Montas, he had a great year up to this point. I think this is a kind of a hard-hitting loss to his fantasy managers because I think he had been carrying him up to this point. We did have some concerns about the innings cap forthcoming, but he did add that splitter, was having a very good year. Does this have any dramatic impact for you on his dynasty or keeper league value? Because I don't think he's going to pitch much for the rest of the year, mathematically speaking. Yeah, well, like you said, we're we're at the almost midpoint and 80, 80 games. That kind of takes care of it, doesn't it? Uh, Maybe gets one start, right? Yeah, that that little streaming matchup the last week. Right, and then no no chance at the uh, postseason should the A's get there uh, with the, with the new rules and everything. So uh, yeah, uh, certainly, obviously, you cut them loose in a one and done. That's a no brainer. Uh, you know, I don't I don't have a lot of positive spin uh, going forward. I mean, he was still outside of my top 300 before this happened. And so, you know, there's room for improvement. Certainly, I just, whenever, even if it's a PED uh, situation where, you know, they're saying it technically it breaks the rules, but, you know, there there was this kind of uh, wishy-washy statement about it. Like, you know, it wasn't like, oh, my gosh, he's he's a horrible person. It was like, yeah, he, he didn't realize, he didn't know, and the, the oopsie. Uh 
I don't know if it was performance enhancing to the extent that we should take it into into impacting his stats. Uh, he's he's a good pitcher. Uh, there's there's promise going forward, but this time off is certainly going to put a dent into into his uh, you know his recovery. Just this, just the time off in and of itself means that next year is, is a huge question mark for me. It's hard to stash him in a league like this, even a dynasty, just because you're going to miss this time. It's known that he's just absent for that. 26 years old, however, as of right now, begins next year, uh, next season at the age of 27. The gains were pretty dramatic. In addition to the splitter I mentioned, slider performance has improved quite a bit. When I look at the Fangraphs page, 10.5 uh, runs above average for just that pitch alone. So he has made some pretty dramatic adjustments. The control was good. But it's tough here. Unless you're in a true dynasty where you're, you've got deep benches and you carry over anybody year to year. I can't make the case either, AJ. I agree with you. But for me, the silver lining comes into the, uh, the potential replacements. Now, in the short term, they're probably going to have to make do the A's with filling guys, spot starters, openers, maybe guys like Paul Blackburn. But they do have some players coming back from injury. So I want to see if you, you find any value in any of these individual names. Sean Manaya is on the injured list with a shoulder issue. Now, he's had a delay in his rehab stint because he's had some oblique uh, soreness lately. So we'll see about that. Jarrell Cotton is coming back from elbow and hamstring injuries but he might be ticketed for relief. Jesus Lazardo, who almost made the team at a spring training, a shoulder issue. He's on a rehab assignment, as is A.J. Puck with the elbow issue. So there are some, some interesting names there. Anything to those? Uh, I mean, Lazardo probably because he was so close to making the team uh, early on. If if there's no setback in the recovery, like you said, one of the reasons I'm, I'm uh, wary of Manea is because he was coming back, and then, oopsie, he's got to take a step back. That's not something I'm looking forward to uh, putting onto my roster. There's just too much risk involved there. I would take the shot with Lizardo. Um, even though I do like AJ a lot, how could I not, being an AJ myself? Uh, I think I'd probably wait until uh, next year for him in terms of seeing how he can recover uh, from such a dramatic uh, injury. Uh, but Lizardo, you know, coming back in the same season, if there's no issues there, I, I certainly would wait till July when he comes up and hopefully it's in July and uh, you know hit hit the second half running. You know AJ uses the dots and the names though that's a no no. I know it, you can't you can't have it all. Of course. So we got to scratch him off that list. I agree with you. I, I, Lizardo's the one that most interests me, I think, based on the fact that he did almost make the team. He was looking good during spring training, a lot of positive developments there, and he's had great numbers in the minors. I think he's got the stuff to be a successful major league starter. The only real concern I had really was durability, but he's coming back at a time where they're not going to rack up a lot of innings. So if you look at it, 110, it looks like roughly 110 was his career, pro-career high for innings pitched. So perhaps he gives you two months of productivity. I think he's an interesting guy to add there. Frankly, I like Lazardo better in dynasty leagues than I do Montes. Just my my reaction to that. We've had a lot of prospects get called up lately. And, AJ, the latest one was Bobby Bradley of the Cleveland Indians, who is a lefty hitter with big power. Sounds familiar. Like another guy who's lefty and uh, is in the American League and hits for big power and has been playing well lately. But Bradley slashed 292, 359, 638 in 67 games for AAA Columbus, 24 homers, 55 RBI. He's already five homers away from his pro career best. And he's now with the Indians. They called him up. Looks like they're going to play him regularly. Is there any value there? Uh, there's certainly value there, especially in the short term. I mean, they got a lot of uh, bodies there for those outfield spots, though. And it's, uh, you know, I mean, you can't DH Bradley if you're going to be DHing Santana. And if you can't put him at first base, if Bowers is going to be the DH. I, 
And then there's, uh, what do you do with Jordan Luplo, who's doing okay in uh, his limited role? I think there's a lot of fantasy value here. If you can play the matchups, if you can make daily changes, I would take a shot with these guys. You know, and Oscar Mercado, they all go into the bunch there. But until, you know, we get like a month of, of these guys up when they, there's some sort of clarity as to who's going to be the three guys in the outfield, who's going to be playing first base, who's going to be playing DH on the regular, I think all of them take a hit. Uh, in weekly leagues, because, you know, you could start somebody and that could be the week that they decide, well, you know what, he's going to only play three times this week. It, it, it's risky. I think there's there's high reward there, but it is a risk. It's definitely a risk. Now, he played first base, batted seventh in his initial game there. So it's a good point about how the outfield plays out, because uh, he took the roster spot of Leonis Martin, who was designated for assignment. So you're right. They are going to have to do quite a bit of shuffling. Uh, I could see them very well putting Carlos Santana at DH, and that's going to force some of these players into the outfield more regularly, which was not the initial plan. So we'll see. I, I like him. I feel like he's a light version of the other guy I'm hinting, which is Jordan Alvarez uh, of the Astros. He's been on quite a tear since he got called up there. I mean, I, I feel like in the deeper leagues, certainly take a chance on Bradley. Is it conceivable that he could give you numbers within the ballpark of somebody like Alvarez? I mean, it's certainly conceivable. The ball, the way the ball is flying out of the ballpark this season, I think you know anybody could sneeze and hit eight home runs in eight games. It just seems to be the way. Uh, I don't necessarily think that uh, Alvarez is going to be repeated here with Bradley, uh, but you never know. You, you never know. That's the thing. There's so many balls. I mean, we saw we saw Todd Frazier hit what he thought was not going out of the ballpark uh, over the weekend, and you know, throw, he was so did I popped out, I flew off the left, and suddenly it's a home run. It, it, it's ridiculous when the players can't even tell when they put the ball well. It's it's incredible. That's it's. I mean, we've been saying it on this show for quite a bit. Everybody's been saying it. It's the baseballs. It's insane. I mean, Jordan Alvarez has seven home runs, sixteen RBI. Oh no, wait. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's sixteen RBI. I'm thinking that was walks. No, it's seven homers, sixteen RBI. He has eight walks in his first twelve major league games. Bobby Bradley, by the way, to that point, Triple A. They're using this baseball too this season, and that does explain a little bit of what I said about him almost meeting his pro career uh, high in home runs. He's got twenty four home runs. His Pro career high is 29. He has half a season left. This tells you a lot about the nature of the game nowadays. But to your point, AJ, yeah, it's not all of these guys hit right away. A great example of that, just to tie into the next player here, is Brendan Rodgers of the, the Rockies. He's back in the majors. Trevor Story, we mentioned on the show the other day, he's now officially on the injured list. Rodgers is up, but there's some question as to his playing time there and how long Story will miss. Uh, Rodgers, are you back in with him? Not well, on teams where I, I had uh, done the, the free agent acquisition budget purge and uh, loaded up on him, uh, yeah, obviously I'm not uh, getting rid of him. And uh, well, you kind of have to have to make do with the, the guys in your roster when you run out of fat. But uh, you know, all these balls flying out of the ballpark, you have to make contact with the ball for that to happen. And he's been having an issue making contact. I don't know that I would rush to jump back in with him. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be trading for him necessarily at this point uh, unless I'm getting a lot uh, better part of the deal here. I, I think uh, you can't chase him until we see that he's going to actually be making contact. Because, you know, when he makes contact, given the home ballpark, uh, odds are he's going to be hitting far more home runs than most. I, I really want to believe. I do. I and And I just, I can't make the case after the way the Rockies treated Brendan Rodgers during the first stint in the majors. And it was only a very brief return to the minors, but uh, 
Well, but he wouldn't be here if not for the injury. And uh, you right. know, if, if 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 story's back in two weeks, three weeks, you know, it, it, they could just turn it right around and uh, you know, Keston here and him back to yeah. minor. And 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 this in this case, it probably would be deserved uh, if he repeats what he did the first time around. Yeah, because this is the opportunity now. Now, in defense, they did call up Garrett Hampson. So it is not simply a matter of Brendan Rodgers is back. It's his job. They're going to give him a chance where they didn't before. It could end up being the same thing. So we'll have to see. It's maddening to me where players like this get called up and they don't get the true opportunity that they they deserve. And maybe he doesn't deserve it. I don't know. I'd like to see him succeed. I think there's potential there long term, but it's probably not today. So, Rockies, I'll take that and transition into just uh, – I'll get into two notes here, but let's start with the first one. i got to talk about the greatness of Walker Bueller. Great game by him on Friday. It was the seventh best this year using the game score formula. It was worth 89 points. Those who know the game score thing that I bring up a lot, it's the forecaster's projection basis. We give a projected game score, and that weights the strikeout, so it helps a little bit more for fantasy. Complete game performance, two runs, 16 strikeouts, no walks against these same Colorado Rockies. This guy's impressive, and I feel like the fact that I didn't have him in my top ten starting pitchers for fantasy in the first place was a mistake on my part. Bueller... Indeed, I, I, I totally. I was expecting a second Bueller there. Uh, <laughs> Bueller, there you go. Thank there you we go. Nice. I deserve that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, I really like Walker Bueller. I made him like the the cornerstone of my uh, Tout Wars uh, points league team. Uh, I, I just think the world of him, and the fact that he, you know, wasn't doing a lot out of the gate didn't really concern me uh you know this is this is exactly who i thought he would be i don't have my top 10 either but that's simply a function of uh me not trusting the dodgers bullpen all that much and and thinking that uh, a lot of those those quality starts won't necessarily be turned into wins but i i totally have them like in my top 15 right there with with clayton kershaw you know so it's a one-two punch that uh that even is surpassed by by ryu so i you know well, most teams would be one-two punches. They have a one-two-three punch that, that that's unbelievable. Now I'm wondering whether it's not just the bullpen. I'm wondering whether it's also the the manipulation of the ten-day IL rules, and not specifically to him. But they think about workload a lot in LA. And I got to point out that Bueller in 2017, 97 innings pitched. Last year he threw 153 and a third. He's got 91 and a third right now. So if we're nearly at halfway, we're looking at 182 and two thirds. And frankly, it's a little more if he sneaks in another start during the the little end change that's left before the uh, mathematical midway point. Do you think the Dodgers are going to rein him in a little bit? I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I love the guy's performance on a per start basis, but it, it's going to be interesting. I mean, a lot of it is going to depend obviously on when they clinch and i'm just assuming at this point that <laughs> that's going to happen when you have a 13 game lead uh at this point of the season uh you know they can really play loosey goosey in september and not have to worry about it uh really give the pitchers the rest that they want to do heck you know when we get to the all-star break i wouldn't be surprised to see you know hey let's call up a couple of uh a guys and just give all of our Big four, like a week's rest in there. I, I, that would not shock me at all. So I, I think perhaps the rest will come in July, as opposed to uh, necessarily slowing them down in August. You know, they'll have they'll have the luxury of, of resting September just because the, they won't have any meaningful games, and we don't really want him pitching in those games anyway. I mean, from fitness point, point, you do want, but I mean, in terms of the longevity of his career, I, I could totally see. Hey, you know, we're up by twelve games in, in September. Why, why bother? 
Excellent, excellent point, by the way, about the All-Star break, and I had not thought of that. As a forecaster guy, I was just thinking that I'm about to start refreshing the files to prepare for the final week before the All-Star break, which does happen next week, by the way. You're right. Teams are probably going to use that All-Star break in order to uh, maybe use that 10-day DL a little bit more uh, <laughs> liberally than usual or send players down to Class A ball where they can call them back up again. That might be one time we do it, so keep an eye on that one. Uh, let's bring up another point of greatness here. I, I like this one just because it's the combo meal theme. Uh, Christian Yelich. He hit his. He had his eighth combo meal of the year. Eighth combo meal on Friday. His eighth one that day. That's already the most anyone has had since 2010, and it's five away from Ricky Henderson's single season record of 13 in 1986. Incredible for Christian Yelich and the combo meals. Hey, it's a combo meal. Has a pace of 16.6 for the year. I mean, it's unbelievable. The other combo meals we had Thursday, we had Danny Santana and Tommy Pham. In addition to Yelich on Friday, we had Nixon, Zell, Marcelo Zuna, and the red-hot Yasiel Puig, AJ. I feel like Puig, I, I write a little bit about the Reds for our power rankings on the ESPN page, and I, I've noticed the Reds' uptick in performance has coincided with Puig's incredible hot streak. And you know me and Puig, I feel biased against him. Uh, he's typically not on my teams just because he's frustrated me with his inconsistency, but he's had a very good year. Well, he's had a very good month, I'll give you that. I mean, <laughs> he's still been uh, like 218 uh, at the end of May, but, uh, you know, when you bet 300 for three weeks, it's certainly going to improve uh, your reputation, and uh, you're going to rise up the ranks, absolutely. 286 on-base percentage. Ouch. <laughs> Don't want him in my sabermetric leagues. Uh, Saturday, Jonathan VR had a combo meal. There were none of them on Sunday, so that wraps up the combo meal guys there. We should get to the closers because there is a lot of news there. The, the Closer, closer Carousel. carousel. So I think the biggest one of any, AJ, was Blake Trinan landing on the 10-day IL. This one was a bit of a surprise to people because before this news broke, Liam Hendricks snuck in there for the A's and he notched the save on Saturday. Uh, but Trinan then had an, an MRI that revealed the specifics. It was a right shoulder strain, so he'll be absent for a bit. Might explain some of the performance. He was the number 34 relief pitcher on the player rater to this point. And Hendricks, by the way, AJ, he's 31st. 31st for the year. Do you see any value in Hendricks as a replacement? Well, this is a subject of uh, my uh, points league advice column today. Is uh, I'm revisiting one of my favorite stats is the uh, the FBA, the first batter against stat, which is basically you, you take the batting average of the first batter that faces the reliever in each of their appearances, and uh, you use that number to determine. Uh, a kind of a, a fortune-telling device to so see how much uh, closer capital uh, does each reliever have with their manager. Because, quite frankly, in terms of who's going to replace Trinan, that's up to one man and one man alone. And, uh, you know, uh, there's no real way for us to know because we don't know the relationship or, or the confidence level uh, that necessarily uh, managers have with their release staff. And in, in terms of uh, Oakland, I mean... Would I be surprised that just based on the fact that Hendricks got on Saturday that he would get the next chance? No, but, you know, Yusmira Petit did strike out four guys leading up to that, and I would rather lean on him as uh, in the short term being the guy. 
Petit, I have noticed, has performed well. I think he's an underrated pitcher. So I like where you're going with that. I think the only reason why they wouldn't go that direction is just they prefer him to, to face more batters in a game. But a lot of teams are going with the seven-out save. So I could see that. Um, Hendricks, yeah, a good performing just, player there. Oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying, it's for, for me, it's like it, it's just by way of trying to mind read. And, and what, with Petit, with the 171 FBA compared to Trevino's 242, uh, let's not even talk. Sorry, it's 303. <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, uh, it, it, I think he's the guy who who potentially could could get the call. And you are correct. They, they might they might use him as the seventh into the eighth guy. But you know, when you're juggling bodies, eventually the guy that the manager's more comfortable with is going to be the one who ends up in the spot. Now, I have to dish you a lot of credit for this column here. I'll be honest with you. I'm going to bet a lot of people who listen think, okay, that's just a ridiculous stat that's been made up here. i got to point out that this column in, in particular brought up two closers that completely imploded almost immediately after you released it. So I, I feel like there, there's probably more to this than people think just off the top. And I remember the Jonathan Broxton example, when he imploded, this column had him as the lead. And I remember it happened again when you ran it again with Joaquin Soria. Am I not mistaken yeah. on those? I, I seem to recall these yeah. two specific examples. And, and you know, it, it, it's, still, it's, still, uh, uh, it still doesn't necessarily say, oh, absolutely – but for me, I, I have learned that, you know, just being a Mets fan and watching, uh, you know, Familia over the years when, you know, he would get, oh, he's 30 for 30 in saves. How could he possibly be, be out of the closer job? Because every save was walk, infield, hit, error, then double play, strikeout. And, you know, you got your manager going to the Maylocks. Uh, <laughs> you, you need to get a few one, two, three innings. You need to get that first better out. And if you're always putting that first base runner on, I'm telling you, the manager is going to have a much shorter leash. And I think it's something that, that we forget, that managers are humans. They are fighting for their jobs in some cases. Uh, they're not going to mess around. And this is a tell in terms of which direction they might not, might go. It's not a guarantee, but it is a tell. Don't walk the leadoff, man, especially if you're not if you're a fly ball pitcher. Uh, Tampa Bay, let's go there. Diego Castillo, another pitcher who lands on the 10-day IL, had been pitching pretty poorly this month up to this stage uh, with right shoulder inflammation. And this puts the Rays' bullpen in a kind of a tough spot. They hadn't been getting good performance out of many of their, their previous uh, examples as closer hopefuls. Emilio Pagan looking like the most likely option in the short term just because Jose Alvarado, their lefty, that the lights out lefty is on the restricted list currently. But he is an extended spring training, and he should be back probably in about a week. We'll see how that goes. The Rays bullpen, are you taking anyone from there or looking to another team? Uh, well, I I mean, I like Pagan. Uh, I have Pagan on my Tat Wars team, and I've been sitting steady with him. Uh, you know, the Rays are an interesting team just in general because they are an opener team. And so they're, you know, Stanek is a guy who might be on other teams, uh, a guy who might step into this role, but no, he's the guy we're going to put in front, uh, you know, and start him when we we want Yarborough to uh, to go in in the second inning. So it, it's a weird dynamic. I, I think Pagan's the safest option for now of the Rays relievers, but you know, what does that mean for a team that's going to mix and match on on the daily whim? Pagan's had a pretty good year there, a two forty three FIP. Yeah, I mean, that's that's not so bad. He's gotten a good number of Ks. His K rate's 32.4%. Hmm, you know, could give you some value in the short term. I still love Alvarado as a pitcher. 
you know, we'll see whether he gets opportunities once he gets back. Another bullpen a little bit up uh, for debate right now is the Cardinals with Jordan Hicks. I uh, left the game the other day with triceps tendonitis. We're waiting for MRI results. Those are due today, Monday. Uh, but in the meantime, it does look like he's going to miss a couple of days. That's the, the minimum absence here. He is not going to pitch for the next couple of days. And that kind of casts uh, things into an uncertain picture for this bullpen because John Gant has been one of the most effective relievers in baseball so far and his own GM, John Mozeliak, uh, just announced that he should step in as the closer while Hicks is absent. That said, Mike Schilt, the manager, has been using Carlos Martinez to fill in for Jordan Hicks. So what direction are we going? Could it be Andrew Miller? Where Are we going anywhere with the Cardinals, AJ? Well, it's not, it's not going to be Miller. I don't think that's going to be the case there. I think this is one of the situations that if you ask me based on my, my FBA, I'm going Martinez, and I think uh, he's he's kind of been building up that confidence uh, with Schilt. But, you know, when, when your boss tells you to do something <laughs> and starts interfering, uh, you may want to go to Gant. Although Gant, Gant's FBA is 188. It is not bad. Anything sub 200 is, is, is golden. So uh, I don't think you can go wrong with either of them, and I think this is the case where you know he might mix and match just to please the GM. I could see him mixing and matching too, and he has done that a little bit when Hicks has been less than 100% or not performing so great. I, I love what Gant's doing. I'm I'm starting to buy in there, and Martinez. I, just the talk that he might go between the, the rotation of the bullpen. I can't. I, I don't know what to make of that. I still think Martinez is probably the best bet after Hicks for saves long term, but it it's tough there. All three pitchers to me are are absolutely fantasy relevant. Uh, AJ, a quick one to to wrap this part. Uh, Craig Kimbrell looking like he's probably going to make his Major League, you know, his 2019 Major League debut with the Cubs, his Cubs debut, on either Thursday or Friday. It should happen by the weekend. I do believe you you have your points league uh, rankings update comes out today, correct? Yes, it will be coming out today, indeed. Where will you have Kimbrell among relief pitchers uh, in today's update? Uh, I will have him in my top 15. I'll have him uh, slotting in at number 13. Okay, number 13. I could see that, and we've... Uh, Eric and I have discussed this before. We're in the roto and the head-to-head categories leagues. We felt that he he was somewhere between seven and ten at the position. Uh, why less for points? I, I would have think thought with him with his strikeout potential that in a points league he'd be higher ranked. Yeah, a lot of it is just control concerns. I mean, uh, he when he goes bad, he's horrid, uh, and I need to, I just need to see him. Uh, you know, if if he can prove to me that uh, that. He's not going to be walking two guys, you know, every other outing. Then I'll, he'll rise up the list. But uh, in terms of everything else about him, I mean, we know the strikeouts will be there. We know that the, the save should come. It's really just uh, he's shown some spotty control in stretches, and I just need to need to see that uh, uh, not not working for the first half of the year isn't going to impact him. So we talked a bit about the bosses. That sounds like a time for a segue. Hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple, fast, and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the web's leading job boards, but they don't stop there. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. 
And right now, our listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash K-A-R-A-B-E-L-L. I've heard that name somewhere before. ZipRecruiter.com slash Carabelle. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, so AJ, we know you're the points guru, so I would like to dive into a, a brand new segment with you. I want to have a little fun here. Why not? And since you're a points guy, we should probably headline it with a kind of a snazzy title. What do you think? Sound, sound good to you? Sounds perfect. What did oh. you have in mind? I'm thinking, you know, something that really comes to the theme of things. Let's call it a, hey, hey, it's AJ. <laughs> no, no, come on. No monkeys. Hey, hey, get it's AJ. <laughs> we can't get to the point. What's that? I've never heard of it. we got to get to the categories. <laughs> hey, hey, it's AJ works for me. All right. Well, let's get right to the questions. i got three questions for you, AJ, uh, that are points-based uh, angled here that should help out some of our listeners. And I want to go with the first one because it's been an exciting past week. Uh, we had a lot of productive Major League uh, debuts from starting pitchers in particular. Logan Allen, Zach Gallen, Adbert Alzale, and Aaron Saval. And I hope I pronounced his name right. I should have looked that up beforehand. But I did not see his outing, I have to admit. Which one of these, AJ, would you add for this week? And which one would you add for the rest of the season? And I'll tell you this. None of the above is fine. And if you want multiples, that's fine. But you got to rank them. I see. That's uh, it's interesting. You know, uh, I've never been one to jump onto young pitchers uh, beyond that first outing. Because the first outing, sometimes, you know, the teams didn't know what was coming, it was, it, especially if they're just called up to the per fill-in. You know, I, I, they, don't, they don't have the video. They don't really know much about the guy, and they can often surprise and have a really good first start. Uh, once books start getting built on these guys, I am a little concerned. Um, I probably would not count on any of these guys, at least not at this point. I need to see a lot more from them. Uh, all of the bunch, I think Logan Allen is certainly the one I like the most. But that said, I'm not, I'm not really all that excited. I'm with you, too, that I'm lukewarmish on all of these. But I feel like these days you got to act now. And I'll tell you this. I was surprised. I, I bought Allen in Tal Wars NL this week, and it was only for 10.1% of the budget. That's a 1,000 budget. You know you're in this, too. But most people aren't familiar with a 1,000 fab budget. Uh, he sold for 101. That would be $10.1 in a $100 budget league. I was surprised he yeah. went for that little. Yeah, I mean, I, I probably, you know, uh, Dakota Hudson, Jordan Yamamoto uh, excite me a little bit more uh, in terms of certainly long term and, and and helping out this year. You know, there's something about Miami pitchers. Once they settle on which guys are going to be in that rotation, I, I'm going to be a little bit more optimistic there. They just got so many arms that they could throw in there and just just pick pick five. I don't know that they can, uh, but if he's one of them, I'll, I'll certainly, uh, you know, a month from now, I'll, I'll certainly be glad that I picked him up now if, if I can stash him, but I'm not putting him in my lineups right now. The, the Tristan Trashes Tristan note of the day is that uh, I was the one who cut Allen and Tout War, so <laughs> I'm not going to pat myself on the back for having to spend 101 fab to get him back at a roster crunch at the time. Uh, Allen's first outing, by the way, is Tuesday at uh, Baltimore, looking like a favorable matchup if you need a streamer for this week. Gallon for the Marlins is 
uh, pitching Wednesday against the Nationals. Adbert Alzale is moving into the Cubs now. Six-man rotation will pitch Tuesday's game at home against the Braves. Probably in a limited pitch count, one start, and it's the Braves. So just be a little bit careful there. Uh, Saval, if he does pitch, he'll take the Clevenger spot, Mike Clevenger's. But Clevenger could come back for the Friday game at Baltimore. They could also bring Clevenger back later in the series there. So we'll see exactly how that plays out. Question two for you, AJ. What player will enjoy the greatest increase in fantasy points during the season, second half compared to the first? You know, you, 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 t- you gave me a little bit of a heads up that uh, we were going to go this route. And it's a tough question simply because, I mean, uh, the injuries in the first half would certainly lend itself to picking somebody who maybe missed a lot of time in the first half but yep. is getting back in the swing of things now. I think that's the what route I'm going to go here because odds are if someone's been performing well or at least been on rosters, they might not be available on your wa- waiver wire. Uh, but, you know, I, I think I'm going to go with Didi. Uh, I, I think Didi's comeback has been very slow. Uh, I think some people who may, maybe waited on him to come back uh, may not want to wait on uh, a guy who's not doing so great out of the gate. And I think uh, second half, he could easily be uh, in the mix for back to top ten in his position. So, uh I think that's going to be my poster child for this uh, cause. I like the pick. I do. They're going to play him every day. Love the park. Love the, the way he's crafted his swing to it. That's, do you, AJ, do you have handy what where he finished among shortstops for last season? Uh, for last season, no, I do not. He had to have been top 10. I think he was top 8 in points. I, I would be surprised if he wasn't. Uh, you know, especially that mm-hmm. it's not... A, it's not it, it, it's it's a deep position in terms of you can always find guys to fill that that second spot, but it's not very deep at the top. <laughs> yeah, I, I I do think he's gonna have some pretty good value there. So that's your AJ's all in player for uh, people who are looking uh, for someone here. Uh, a strategy question for you. This comes from Tom Cavanaugh, who's in our Vampire League. AJ, I know you're familiar with the Vampire League. <laughs> <laughs> at this Indeed point, I am. <laughs> at this point in the season, would you rather have boomer bust hitters or pitchers on your bench to fill in on off days? Well, I, I probably would rather have the hitters, uh, and my rationale for this is just that pitchers are so much more for me matchup dependent that uh, not only now am I waiting on a pitcher to maybe strike lightning in a bottle. But, uh, you know, half of those opportunities might be against teams that I would no way want to start said pitcher. Whereas with a hitter, what's the worst that can happen? Even in a points league, 0 for 4 with 4 strikeouts, it's not going to kill me. Whereas if my pitcher pitches a third of an inning and gives up eight runs, forget about winning that week. I'm with you on that, that I, I'd rather use them for the hitters. I, I'd like to pick up and drop pitchers freely. I don't like wasting my bench spots on them. I just... Not the thing I do. Uh, the schedule for the week, we begin week 13 of the fantasy season. As I said, we're reaching that midpoint at 7 p.m. on Monday night. So if you're hearing this beforehand, remember to set your lineups. The first game is the Blue Jays at the Yankees on ESPN. Plus, it's Aaron Sanchez at CC Sabathia. We also on ESPN on the TV have the Rockies at the Giants. It is John Gray versus Drew Pomerantz. Gray's a tough one to predict, AJ. Uh, what do you think of Gray in San Fran? I think it'll be all right, especially in points leagues. The K9 has been really good this month. And, uh, you know, anytime you can get uh, a strikeout in inning uh, to help with the points cause, I'm going to take a chance. And he's not pitching in Colorado. Lucas Gilito <laughs> is in Boston tonight. Ooh, what you think? Scared? No? 
I'm, I'm not. I'm not scared. I mean, you, you start your aces, right? And I think we have uh, come to the realization as a collective now that uh, we are looking at an ace here. I, I think, uh, uh, yeah, uh, you don't sit your aces. This is how far we've come. I'm with you on that. I would start him. I, I feel much more confident in that than I do in the Gray outing. But uh, Gray could be pretty good in that that particular matchup. Giolito, what a year! Yeah, we're there. <laughs> Top, top, I'd say top 25 at the very least at this point among starting pitchers. Tuesday's games begin at 7 o'clock as well. Uh, that's with the ESPN Plus game, which is the Texas Rangers at the Detroit Tigers. We have Jesse Chavez, who this is not an opener. He's actually being moved into the rotation for Tuesday's game in Detroit. Excitement against Jordan Zimmerman. But we also have an e- on ESPN on the TV, we have the same Rockies-Giants series. This one will be undecided for the Rockies. They just demoted their guy who was on turn. Jeff Hoffman going up against Madison Bumgarner. Not a good outing by Bumgarner in the last one. Would you start him at San Francisco against the Rockies? Um, I, I, I might start him uh, just because, like I said, I, I mean, he's not an ace anymore. We, we granted. However, he's still for the rest of the season. I do have him in my top 25 starters. And I mean, that's, basically the line where you said it and forget it for me it, it, it's always whoever ends up in my top 25 i don't think about it so in this case since that's where he is uh, i, I got to stay true to myself and uh, go with it but i can understand the hesitation certainly uh bum garners allowed 16 omers per kyle here in 96 and two-thirds innings he gave up 14 and 129 and two-thirds good stat there uh kyle not different baseball i know it is i know <laughs> but you know that's all count the same they, no. they, they do, and it's the Rockies. It's the Rockies. Good lineup. Uh, I hear you. I hear you. Uh, I mentioned before, oh, Allen and uh, Alzale are both pitching today. The other one that, that kind of caught my interest was the Dodgers, who, who will be uh, trying to fill the Rich Hill rotation spot with a combo, a piggybacking of uh, Julio Urias and Ross Stripling. And I'll be honest with you, AJ, I'd rather see Stripling locked into the rotation. I think this is going to be a long-term opening in Hill's place. Love to see Stripling get an opportunity, so if you have the room, stash him. Uh, but do you see any value on this particular day or going forward in either one? Are you, do you go in the same direction, different, or neither? Uh, I might wait for now, but certainly uh, I, I do agree with your assessment that Stripling is uh, the one I'd want out. I actually, I think he's going to do a decent job. I've moved him up 10 spots to number 42 in my starting pitching uh, just on, on this spec. Uh, he, I mean, he qualifies as both starter and reliever, but uh, on this, on, on the hopes that this is where he's going to end up and he's going to take over and, and do well. I mean, it's not like Hill's going to come back and never get hurt again, too. So, <laughs> such a good pitcher and such an injury history. Ugh. Uh, yep. Wednesday's games begin at 1.05 p.m. That's uh, beginning with a few different games. The ESPN Plus game for the day, however, is one of the night games. It's the Seattle Mariners at the Milwaukee Brewers, and the Mariners are likely to use an opener in this particular game because they usually use Wade LeBlanc as the follower on this turn. Uh, and they're going to be going up against Adrian Hauser, who's taken Jimmy Nelson's spot in the Brewers rotation. Looks like a good opportunity to me for the hitters. Though I will admit, Wade LeBlanc's been pretty good. I'm not using him in Milwaukee. AJ, you wouldn't. Would you use Wade LeBlanc? No, not, not on the road, not in Milwaukee. I, you know, he, he's done pretty well in terms of uh, one of my key stats, which is KBB. Uh, anything over 3.5 is, is something that is uh, like a must for me uh, in terms of uh, that. I, he's, I think he's over four, so I, definitely he's doing, a, doing the job there. 
I mentioned Gallon as well, who's going to be pitching on that day. Uh, beyond that, it looks kind of cut and dry for the day's rotation. It doesn't look like a great streaming day for me overall Wednesday, and we'll get to Thursdays when we get to that show. So coming up next will be, of course, the Hash Browns. <sighs> now I can relax. Kick my feet up. Oh, yeah. Take a load off. You're in the elevator now. Times are good. If my desk was clean, I could put my feet on it. Yeah, I don't know. Is your, does your desk look a lot like your wallet? Is that how this works? Is there a correlation there? See, my wallet is actually not all that messed up right now. I've got one receipt in it. <laughs> right now. I like how we have to qualify it. My cash is all backwards, upside down, uh, and in the incorrect order. I'm getting anxious thinking about it. AJ, how do you keep your bills in your wallet? Is there organization like a cur- sane person, or are you a crazy person that just throws things in there? Uh, I typically uh, do put it in... Uh incremental order smart man oh, all God. facing the yeah. same way bills faces forward uh, yeah I, oh, I i'm an ocd person yo absolutely I, if, if i'm writing something uh, with a pencil uh, like in a crossword puzzle and i don't like the way that the letter looks i'll erase it and re- rewrite it oh wow and, uh, yeah i'm ocd too. okay yeah. I've, mm-hmm. i'm still siding with the very very smart vendor at the baseball game yeah <laughs> Who said you guys are nuts? Yeah. I, <laughs> he knows what he's talking about. If you can track him down for an interview on the podcast, we're happy to have him. Otherwise, you're outnumbered here. <laughs> Tristan, I love baseball people. You know I have a lot of experience working in stadiums, the vendors, the security guard. Love them all, back of house people, but uh, yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, that's just a filthy rumor you have experience with the baseball people. Who uses a wallet? Yeah, that that's probably the bigger problem. I have a card, but even still. My wallet on my phone, that little, you know, pay thing, that's sure. organized. I, I don't think you can unorganize <laughs> that, can you? Yeah, you can. You Before can actually pull the, the tickets. Really? Speaking of wallets, I actually uh, had my wallet stolen while I was out on the field as Mr. Matt. Someone broke into my locker room and stole oh. my wallet. And try giving that report to the police. So where were you when this happened? Oh, I was on the field running around. <laughs> Yes, I would prefer an unorganized wallet to a lost one, I will, or a stolen one. I will take that. Officer, I was wearing a giant baseball head, and... Yeah, see, you can see me right there. There's video proof. <laughs> How do we know it's you? Oh, I, they, they, they interviewed Mrs. Met first, right? Naturally. Suspects list? I was single at the time. Mm. Philly <laughs> Fanatic did me. it. Philly Fanatic. All right, we'll get to the hash rounds here. Always before the podcast, tag me. Tweet your questions away. Hashtag 06010 MLB. Mark chimes in. He's got a two-parter here. I'll ask it in two separate sections. He wants to know Giolito or Bieber the rest of the way. He wants you to sell him on your favorite. I like both. Giolito for me, though. But I like both. I, you know, I, I think it's Giolito. I think, you know, I've already declared him an ace earlier in this podcast, so I'm, I'm not going to go against that. Uh, I, have him, I have him a full 22 spots ahead of Bieber. You know, at the, at the top 40 of pitchers, there's a lot of room for jumping, and it, a lot of times it's the, you make one start and I'll, I'll move you up. Uh, make a bad start and I'll move you down because there's so much room for for just dropping one or two spots and tweaking it a little bit. But uh, when it's this big of a gap between the two, I think uh, I'm firm in Giolito. Alrighty, I like it. He also wants to know what makes Jordan Alvarez not Austin Riley or Michael Chavis and that he starts hot, which obviously he has, and then fades a little bit. What makes him like that but doesn't fit? Okay, uh, he's going to have better staying power than Ch- uh, than Chavis is what you're saying. Unless you think he's going to do the same thing Chavis did, in which case, advise accordingly. Uh, 
I feel like he's not going to do what either of those did because he's more disciplined. I think he has a better read of the strike zone. I don't think it's by leaps and bounds, but I think it's noticeably better. The concern I had there was that I think those other two were, well, I, I think Riley's locked in. Uh, I think Chavis, because he plays so many different spots, they're going to find opportunities for him. Alvarez, I needed to see the one particular place for the Astrid, but the way he's hitting, they've got to keep him in now. Yeah, I would, I would bunch, I would bunch them all in the general vicinity of each other. I currently have Alvarez lowest of the three, but that's simply because I, I can't believe any player uh, comes up and doesn't have at least one bad week, one stretch uh, where everything seems to be going against them. I do think he'll recover very quickly from that, but I do see at least you know, one series against a, a hot staff. Uh, and that's enough to, to lower him a little bit in year-to-date rankings, be, uh, year, rest of the season rankings, because, you know, you're playing on a weekly basis in points leagues, and that that one bad week is the one week where he could cost you, and we don't know exactly where it's going to come. It's tough to tough to predict it. Uh, by the way, 26% ground ball rate, 57% hard contact rate for Jordan Alvarez so far. Those are unusual compared to his minor league norms. Alrighty, I like you. Can't disagree there. Jared has a question on Chris Archer, whose projected game score always seems to be optimistic, and then expectations aren't really met. He wants to know if you guys are expecting a bounce back, or is he going to be a vulnerable kind of back and forth spot start guy the rest of the year? So, so this is teasing the forecaster because that's where we get the game score projections. And just to give you some insight to the game score formula, it does uh, regress. Uh, batted ball performance. So, in other words, if a pitcher has a high BABIP, it will regress the BABIP to what's the expected Major League norm. Uh, it doesn't take in to any great extreme the quality of the contact. So, I'll be I'll admit that right up front. I'm working on getting something in there that I feel fairly does it. But the reason that Archer always gets good ones, good projected game scores, is because of the strikeouts. He gets K's, and K's are a a pretty significant part of the game score formula. So that's really all that it is. I, 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 I'm always manually adjusting him downwards when I can. Uh, so you can, you know, you hear my pessimism about Chris, Chris Archer. We've had so much of it on the show for the past month, but that's why. That's why the formula likes him. The forecaster formula likes the guy. I don't so much. And for me, the, the you know, in terms of the inherent skill set, uh, he's not a phenomenal pitcher and I, I do think he gets hot and he can strike out batters in bunches like you said and if you catch him on a day where he's not walking people he'll get your quality start and if you catch him on a day where he's a little bit wild you're going to regret having him in there so it's definitely it's not just that he's a matchup play which he is at this point of his career it's also that you really got to take into account things like weather conditions and uh, game temperature, uh, things that are going to affect his grip on the ball a little bit more because it, if it's not perfect ideal conditions, he is going to miss that place. So I'm going to improve our positivity with a question. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? It's as if they're so big they can get away with not caring about the customer experience. So what if their site's annoying and doesn't have the events you want? Hello, status quo. The real question is how easy could it be if those ticketing sites actually cared? With millions of live event tickets and a price match guarantee, SeatGeek proves there's a better way. Search sports, live music, comedy, and more. 
SeatGeek has the tickets you're looking for all in one place. In an industry that tends to stagnate, SeatGeek decided to stand out from the crowd. They built the fastest way to find tickets so you can stop searching for the perfect seat and start enjoying it. Why is SeatGeek better than the rest? A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. How's that for customer satisfaction? It's a better process. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. Finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. And every purchase is fully guaranteed, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. In fact, I did just use this to buy tickets for a game in a foreign city where I wasn't familiar with the secret, and I was very pleased with the results. So looking forward to some baseball next week, in fact. SeatGeek will even give you $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All you need to do is use our promo code. Download the SeatGeek app today and use promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. That's promo code FFB for $10 off on your first purchase. Got any more questions for us uh, there, Kyle? Yeah, we got two more here. Bill writes in. He notes that AJ basically has Kirby Yates in a tier unto himself in points leagues. He wants to know if we're comfortable with assuming that and if the scoring difference between points, Roto, and head-to-head makes that big of a difference given that Tristan has a much larger tier one at the closer position. Yeah, I think in terms of what uh, Yates gives you in terms of the security of, of, I mean, obviously he had a stinker over the weekend, but he was pretty much spot on uh, as a reliever in save chances perfect before this weekend. Uh, that built up a lot of equity with the manager. And as we were talking about with the with the FBA, his is actually higher than most and higher than I would like from my closer. Um, it's 273. And that's, that's normally uh, something I'd be worried about, except for the fact that, you know, what, Craig Stammen is at three fourteen, so Sam is not taking over there, uh, and and he's done the job successfully. I think he can bring that down even more. Uh, the strikeout rate is better than almost everybody, uh, than except maybe Araldis, but Araldis walks more people. So uh, in terms of getting the combination, that K to BB, I think uh, it's him and Jansen one two, and I don't know that Jansen's going to necessarily. Uh, work as many games down the stretch. So I, I think that's why he's a little bit higher up in my it's here by himself. And it's not really here by himself. I say it's him hand uh one two Jansen and Chapman right there three four with him. So the last pull of the stats I had had Kirby Yates number one in fantasy points among closers. Uh, based on that bad outing maybe he got caught by Brad Hand, Josh Hader, Jansen. I, I doubt by Jansen, but he was close. So to me, it looked like if I was going to rank it, they would be uh, all first tier, the same kind of thing. But I don't really have a problem with putting Yates head and shoulders ahead. I mean, he does have great stuff. I can see the case being made. AJ, the only thing I would ask on it is uh, the trade deadline being what it is, and it's a real trade deadline this year. I mean, I think that's one other thing that fantasy managers need to keep in mind is that there is a real firm trade deadline. It's We're not going to see trades afterwards like we did in the past where players sneak through waivers. So if it's July 31st, the Padres make a decision on whether they're competitive are they going to trade parts? Would they trade Yates? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did, uh, simply because, like I said, for me, I have to go by that mind-reading thing. And I think 
although he's safe in the job for as long as he stays there, I mean, that would be the most value in return if they were to uh, send him somewhere else. I, I think a lot for them, I don't know that they'll make the move before Will Smith goes to kind of set a market value. Um, but I think if, if the Giants move Will Smith and get something that's really uh, appealing to the Padres, I think then they'll, they'll pull the trigger. I, I do think they're going to wait and see what the market is before they, they're not going to be the first to make the move. Good point about Smith. Smith's the one guy, by the way, in my rankings, I am kind of baking in a little bit of the worry that he could be traded into a setup job, and I don't think it's likely, but it's a good point there. Yeah. Alrighty, and the last question for the day comes from Matt. He wants to know how much more value you're putting into innings pitched when it comes to your ranks, given that so few pitchers do it. Do the ones that actually, you know, pitch into the sixth, seventh, eighth inning receive a greater bump now than they used to, given that you get more K's, better chance at wins, things like that? Hmm. I mean, it's, it's baked in, uh, simply because there's value in innings pitch, but, um, you still have to, this has to be quality innings. I mean, Mike Miner's going to throw a lot of innings. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to put him in my top ten because he's going to pitch more innings than Bueller, you know, or, or Giolito. I, I, I don't necessarily think that's something I'm going to be uh, factoring in. But in terms of uh, by necessity, you get points for innings pitch. So yeah, so if you have more innings pitch, so you are going to uh, it's going to be taken into account. Yeah, I'm. Trying to take a look at the past couple of years just to give a, an example. Um, ERA qualifiers. I talk about this a lot. We had a, a historic few last year. 2017 first half of the season, 72 pitchers had qualified for the ERA title in the, in the first half mathematically of the year. It's about where we're at right now. For the full season, we had uh, 58 players in 2017 qualify for the ERA title. And if my wonderful stat report would... Let me press that button. I could tell you last year's. Last year's was 57 for the full season. and the first half, it was 80. And right now, 86 pitchers qualify for the ARA title. So I think, we're, I think we make too much of this. I think we've already accounted for this over the past two years. Pretty interesting. And yeah, I like that. To make it more dramatic would be overvaluing the Max Scherzers. I love the guy. He's the guy I claimed to the Max. By the way, in Vampire, I won this week, and I'm claiming Max Scherzer. I finally got my first pitcher. Love the guy. Not adding more value to him in the ranks. Yeah, like I said, I think it's already it's already baked into to my ranking. So if, if you know suddenly a guy starts going six and a third on the regular, where he used to go five and five and a third, I, you know, I, I don't think there's that much there. Yeah, it's more than in the past five ten years ago. It's not more than last year. That's fair. Yeah, well, you know, you, you got your Yarboroughs of, of, of the world who you know he, he may not start, and therefore it doesn't look like he's pitching. Uh, you know as much but you know if he pitches from the second through the sixth that you know it's not six innings but that's still five innings and that's that's five seems to be a number that few pitchers are reaching it's it, because he didn't start you don't think about it oh he came in relief he must not have pitched a lot it, i think it's just a it's a perception thing to take this show full circle by the way kyle great note here on the on the on this day i like this ricky henderson debut steals his first base in 1979 wow. it never really slowed down <laughs> 40 years ago goes with the the combo meal note huh <laughs> yeah oh bad. yeah 
Uh, I wanted to throw this in, too. I'm I'm really pleased to hear this bit of news, by the way. Um, The FSGA, the Fantasy Sports Gaming Association, has selected Laura Michaels as its 2019 inductee to the Fantasy Sports Hall of Fame. Uh, Laura will be posthumously inducted as he passed away in December after a series of health issues. Uh, He was a good friend of mine. I'm really pleased to hear about his induction. Uh, This is going to occur Friday at the FSGA conference, so... I'm very happy to hear it. It's truly well-deserved. Great news there on that front. Uh, yes, here, yes. here. Standing O. Let's all stand. All right. He, he was a great guy, and he will be missed. He was an absolutely great guy. I, I strive to be like him. You know, I, I'm going to aim for that going forward. It's, you know, just, just genuinely one of the good guys. And I bet his wallet was always in mine. <laughs> Guaranteed. <laughs> <laughs> if it was, I'm going to improve that part of my life starting right I now. I like it. <laughs> While I'm on the desk, I'll work on it after the show. <laughs> All right. On Monday's Baseball Tonight podcast, Buster and Tim Kirchin discuss Albert Pujols' wild weekend in St. Louis and another unbelievable series of events with the Mets. Find the Baseball Tonight podcast on your favorite podcast app. Many thanks today to AJ for filling in. AJ will be back with us again, of course, on Thursday. We'll talk some more baseball then. Many thanks to Kyle. Does so much work for the show behind the scenes and in front of the scenes. We hear his voice as well. So thank you, Kyle. And thank you, of course, to Tom, the quiet guy in the background. I know he's there somewhere. I guess not. (laughs) What's up to Tom? Uh, That'll do it for today's show. We will see you again here on Thursday. Everything is awesome. What's up? 